Live from the downtown studio, the Flames Talk postgame show starts now. Sportsnet 960, the fan. Okay, let's go immediately to United Center to kick off our Flames Talk post-game show. It's Pat Steinberg with you, and let's say hello to uh, Jonathan Huberdo for some immediate post-game reaction. Uh, Jonathan, really appreciate the time. Thank you so much for it. Just how did you see this one this afternoon? Yeah, it's a tough one to swallow. I mean, uh, I think, you know, we it's a game that we got to win, and uh, obviously it's on a back-to-back, but tough luck last night, and then we come out and... Played that game, a lot of turnovers. So I think, uh, you know, we, deserve, we, deserve, we didn't deserve to win. And, uh, you know, we got to think it's a tough trip for us. You know, finish up the, the, this way. we got to go home and win that one against Ottawa. Uh, I, I, I know that uh, you don't like to necessarily talk about uh, individual things uh, after a loss, Jonathan, so I respect that. But just overall, a couple of points for you today. Just how are you feeling and how are you uh, feeling with the chemistry overall on that line with you, Elias, and Yegor? Yeah, we had some looks early. I mean, obviously the disallowing goal uh, could have went, you know, a different game for us. But you know, we, we had some looks. I think we could be we can be better. I think as a line, we got to win more battles, play more in the offensive zone. But you know, I think we can build on that and be better next game. And uh, a final thought for you: it's just the quick one game, but uh, you've got Ottawa back here on Tuesday, Jonathan. And uh, hey, an opportunity to to bounce right back, and uh, an opportunity you can take advantage of. What'll be important coming back home? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, we're going back on the road after. I think it's a huge game. We're going to take the, you know, the advantage to be to be at home, and it's going to be, you know, a good team coming in. So I think we're going to be ready for that. I think take tomorrow, you know, get some rest and come back at home and be ready to go right the at the puck drop. Jonathan, really appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Good luck on Tuesday. Hey. All right. Thank you, guys. That is Jonathan Huberdo post game from the uh, United Center in Chicago where the Flames fall 4-3 in a tough one this afternoon. Not the way the Flames are looking to close out this road trip as we are underway on your Flames Talk post-game show. Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Phone lines are open at 403-240-4444. Text line is open at 960-960. It's Pat Steinberg along with you, Megan Mickelson, Derek Wills with you as well, breaking this one down. And uh, Mickey, I I think all three of us kind of had that, I don't know, eerie feeling in our stomach. Second half of back-to-back, third and four, fourth and six. And a Hawks team, when you looked at that lineup, you said, eek. And yet, that can sometimes be the kryptonite, especially in a, I don't want to say scheduled loss, but in a tough schedule. Uh, That's a tough scheduled game, and it kind of all conspired. The Flames just did not have enough. And what did you say pregame? I won't steal it from you about talent and working hard, and it kind of, Kind of came to be this afternoon, didn't it? Yeah, I think I said it twice in the broadcast as well, and that hard work beats talent unless talent works hard. And, you know, that's exactly what happened. But I sort of had an eerie feeling about this one all morning because I've played in a lot of games in playing for the national team where you're playing against underdogs almost all games except for when we were playing USA were against quote unquote underdog teams and they're they're really hard games to play because everything is just a little bit off the speed of the game your reads the timing everything so knew that this one was going to be a tough one for the Flames going in and they really just never settled into their game and found their groove they looked completely disconnected there was a a lack of execution in terms of passing which signals mental fatigue and that that's 
the first thing to go as a player and as an athlete when you're tired is your mind and your sharper skills and your execution. So didn't like their start, thought they were too perimeter in the ozone once again and just got outworked in terms of getting to pucks first and winning battles. So I would agree with Jonathan Huberto in that this was not a game that they deserved to win. Yeah, the Flames were playing against the Blackhawks team with nine regulars out, including a number, I would even say most of their top players. They were playing against primarily third and fourth line guys and third pairing guys in this hockey game. Yeah. And they still lost. And we talked about it before the puck dropped. One of the reasons why the Flames missed the playoffs last season, they only missed by three points if you factor in the tiebreaker is because they were 0-3-0 against the Blackhawks team that finished second from last overall. Well, they're now 0-1 against that same Blackhawks team, I would say a lesser Blackhawks team, that again is ahead of only the Sharks in the NHL's overall standings. And they got outworked. I don't think there's any way around that. And I even take a look at what the Flames' fourth liners did, or mm-hmm. maybe I should say didn't do in this hockey game. Mm-hmm. A.J. Greer played a season-low 4 minutes and 45 seconds. Now, part of that is because the Flames were chasing this game at times. But he wasn't effective. Walker Dewar, in his return to the lineup again, just leaves you wanting more playing 5 minutes and 10 seconds. And there were some tough moments for him. Now, they tried to get Dylan Dubé some extra ice time away from those two guys. He ended up playing 7 minutes and 12 seconds. But I thought he had a rough game in Chicago today. So... This one's going to be tough to swallow for the Flames. You had a chance to come home above 500, uh, at least for the time being tied for the final wildcard spot in the Western Conference. All you had to do was beat a Blackhawks team without nine regulars, and you didn't get it done. And that was our marquee matchup, Willsey, brought to you by Country Hills Toyota. You know, the you know yesterday in the, the loss against Philly, that was a hard-fought game, and you know, it's a good Flyers team. Yep. They're, they are in a playoff spot themselves out east, but yet an opportunity to get back above 500 and come back home for a quick one-game homestand above 500. And now, Derek, you know what we, we talked about when they beat Nashville on Thursday on Friday's roundtable, we were talking about how important it was to get uh, get over that hump, and now you step back and you're back below that mark once again. Now, it's it's not the end of the world there's still 42 games to go but at the same time the flames are the first team to 40 in this playoff race they are ahead in games of everybody they're chasing so not only are they uh back but they also have more games played this yeah. was this was one that uh they, they really needed so this is a big time missed opportunity today it, it really is and i'm not going to talk out of both sides of my mouth I, i've said it uh, over the course of the weekend and i'm going to stick with it i said you can't fall below 500 again you just can't uh, I mean, not after a 2-7-1 start to the season. They worked so hard and played really well, for the yeah. most part, for a couple of months to get above 500 with that proverbial four-pointer versus the Predators on Thursday night. But again, this is a team that uh, the first two times they were trying to get over 500, it would be two steps forward, one step back. Well, in this case, it was three steps forward with three straight wins, and now two steps back with two straight losses and now you're below 500 again so 
Uh, it's going to be a tough one to swallow. Uh, you have to bounce back against a Senators team that is really struggling right now. If you can beat them on home ice on Tuesday night and get back to 500, then you try to have a, a good road trip again and, and get above 500 in the win-loss column. But And uh, uh, one at, of those so, four-pointers, too, against Arizona yeah, on Thursday. At, at some point in time, you're going to have to, to stop the, the two steps forward, one step back routine, or in this case, three forward, two back. Uh, you just can't afford to do that when you put yourself at a bad spot after picking up five of the possible 20 points in the first 10 games. Yeah, and I'm not making excuses for them by any means, but I always try to put myself in the player's shoes and how I would be feeling if I were a player in this situation. And you look at the game yesterday against Philadelphia, and that was a really fast-paced, hard, physical The energy yeah. was high. The emotions were high. And you saw their discipline get away from them a little bit. Like, that was would have been an exhausting game to play and a completely different pace. And coming off of that one and just trying to put it behind you and knowing that you weren't happy with 40 out of your 60 minutes and then coming into this game and the amount of pressure of knowing that this was a, a must-win game for this team and – playing against players where it's very unpredictable in terms of your reads and how you play the game. So it is a tough situation for the players to go from the game yesterday to the game today. And again, I'm not making excuses for them. Good teams still find a way to win, and they didn't find a way to win today. But it's going to be imperative moving forward, especially the game on Tuesday. Like You have to come back with a, a much better effort. You have some time to kind of get your wits about you, get your rest, uh, sort of regroup, and come back and play a uh, – much more consistent, solid, sort of even-keeled game. And, again, I'm not making excuses. I think you put that really well, Megan, but you could see fatigue was a factor. Oh, yeah. Physical fatigue, mental fatigue. Guys who rarely make mistakes were making mistakes today. Even Blake Coleman, who's been their most consistent player this season, uh, I think he would tell you, and the coaches have told us, he's had one bad game. Yeah. We're almost halfway through the season. He's had one bad game. Even but, yesterday. I think we saw yeah, that yesterday, too. 100%. But yesterday's game was fast, and it was physical, and it was emotional, which can take a toll on you. So, again, not making excuses for the Flames. This is a Blackhawks team that they should have beat. They weren't happy with their game yesterday, which actually uh, gave me uh, more hope, uh, for lack of a better word, going into this game, because I thought they would be sharper uh, getting ready for the Blackhawks after not playing all that well for about 40 minutes versus the Flyers yesterday, but missed opportunity for them. So uh, because they don't pick up two points today, it means they're going to have to to pick up two points uh, somewhere else. But uh, again, uh, not a lot of points separating you from that playoff spot if you're the Flames. It's the number of teams yeah. that uh, you're battling with right now that I think is the bigger problem. Let's uh, select today's hardest working flame. Flames fall 4-3 on the road in Chicago. Hardest working flame brought to you by Canyon Plumbing and Heating. Are you the hardest working plumber or HVAC tech? Canyon's hiring. Send resumes to jobs at canyonplumbing.com. Mick, which way are you leaning for today's hardest working flame? Now I'm going to go with Nazem Kadri in this game, and not just because he scored two goals, but I think he has been the most consistent in terms of not waiting in terms of his work ethic uh, and his emotions as well. I mean, you see him get a little bit heated and um, get into the games, but he never lets it get away from him. So uh, you even see 
his non-celebration after he scored the third goal, it was almost like he's like, okay, we put one in. Now we need another one. Let's get back to work. So uh, for me, he has just continued to be solid for this group. And he had nine shot attempts as well and was pretty good in the face-off circle at 55%. So he's my he has my vote tonight. So it Today. is Nazem Kadri as uh, it's it's four Today. four Today. o'clock while we're talking. Okay. We can we can let the t- tonight slide <laughs> this time. It's kind yeah. of darkish outside. Uh, hardest working flame. Nazem Kadri brought to you by Canyon Plumbing and Heating. Want to get recognized and rewarded for your achievements? Learn from the best. Send your resume to jobs at canyonplumbing.com. So the Flames fall four three on the road in Chicago. They finish this road trip two wins, two losses, and are back home for just one against the Senators on Tuesday and back on the road for Thursday against the Arizona Coyotes. They'll also head into Vegas on Saturday night as well. Uh, Going to hear from head coach Ryan Huska here very shortly. Uh, before we do that, though, I'll tell you the phone lines are open at 403-240-4444 and the text line's open at 969-60. Also, before we do that, let's hear uh, some final thoughts from a broadcast duo of Derek and Megan starting with Mick. Yeah, I'm going to go back to what I listed in my keys to victory on the pregame show. And the first one was to have a strong start, um, to put the last game behind them and make sure that they came out kind of on fire. And I don't think they had a strong enough start in this game with what they knew they were going to be faced with. The second one was to limit time in their own zone. I know that they had more possession in the Ozone than the Blackhawks did, but given the team that they were playing against, I still think that they spent too much time in their own zone. And when they were in their own end, they gave up too much as well. And the last one was to have success on the specialty teams. They had two power plays at very very important times in this game where they did not score. Their power play was not good enough. It was not dangerous enough. Mm -hmm. And their penalty kill also gave up a goal. So for me, those were three keys that they needed to make sure that they were really dialed in on in this game and they were not. So I would say that to start off with. And, you know, the last thing would be just in terms of fatigue and managing your fatigue. They need to make sure that You know, obviously they're mentally tired, emotionally, physically, all the things at this point in the season and what they've been faced with. But as an athlete and as a player, you need to still find a way to come out and to perform. And they didn't do that. You know, we've talked a lot about what the Flames didn't do. So I'm going to start by talking about what the Blackhawks did do. And that is work their butts off. And they knew that from a talent perspective, they couldn't compete with the Flames in this hockey game. Not with nine regulars out and nine of their top players, including their best player in Connor Bedard. So they knew they were going to have to be the harder working of the two teams. And it's not that the Flames didn't work hard. I thought they worked fairly hard. But they didn't work smart at times. And Physical and mental fatigue was probably a factor in that, but ultimately you have to find ways to to beat teams that you clearly should beat. And this was a team the Flames clearly should have beat. A Blackhawks team without Seth Jones, Taylor Radish, Joey Anderson, Nick Foligno, Taylor Hall, Andreas Athanasiu, Tyler Johnson, Anthony Beauvillier, and yes, Connor Bedard. So a tough one for them. And man, things were really looking up even after that game against the Predators, because against the Flyers yesterday, the Flames had two leads in that hockey game. And I think I said to you, I'm not sure if it was on the air or off the air, Megan, but you know what? If the 
Flames can win this game. They've got a great chance to sweep this four-game road trip, get to two games above 500, be in a playoff spot, and come home feeling great about themselves. While they let a lead slip away in Philadelphia yesterday in a hard-fought hockey game that they lost 3-2 to the Flyers. They're a good team. They had lost a bunch in a row. They were desperate. They were due, and they found a way to win. That's one thing, but... For them to lose to the Blackhawks today in a game they did have a one-goal lead in, it's going to be tough to swallow for the Flames. So nothing they can do about what happened today. All they're going to be able to do is try to respond the right way on Tuesday when another team that's below them in the standings comes to town in the Senators. It's uh, a one-off at Scotiabank Saddledome. you got to find a way to win that hockey game, which you know won't be easy against Brady Kachuk and company. And uh, take it one game at a time, as cliche as that might sound. But this one... Uh, this one feels like a loss that's going to be tough for them to shake. So uh, we'll see how they look and sound at practice tomorrow. See you. Uh, not sure if they are going to uh, practice. It might be a day off. We'll, uh, we'll that's see. That's true. Burnt might, might change after this, though. You never know. For sure, if we don't see you on Monday, we'll see you Tuesday for uh, the start of a you know, lengthy homestand. Okay, good night. Uh, just, good night just or good day. afternoon, Pat. Uh, Thanks, Derek, Pat. Derek Wells and Megan Mickelson signing off. Uh, let's hear from head coach Ryan Huska. Again, short and sweet on the road in Chicago following a 4-3 loss to the Hawks. Ryan, your team disappointed with how they played. What did you think about their effort today? Um, it was a, not a great one. You know, that's a tough one. So disappointing is probably a, a pretty good word for it. Just overall, the road trip with Fatsanetti felt. Um, yep, I do. Uh, I thought we started well. Like we we did some things in in Minnesota. We liked Nashville. I thought we played pretty well. And then I thought we let some parts of games get away from us tonight. We got a lot of indiv- individualistic play, and I think that hurt us, especially in the second period. But what do you think the big difference? Uh, they were hungrier and harder than we were likes to tip their cap, but how much do you have to do so with Mrazek today? Uh, he, he he made saves when he had to, but I don't think we tested him all that much either, though. Yeah. Is there a way you can develop sort of a killer instinct in your team when they're playing a team like Chicago that's so injuries? At um, you have to. Like, the, you know, they're, they were in a situation where we needed to take advantage of it, and, and we didn't do what we needed to do today. That is uh, head coach Ryan Huska postgame following a 4-3 loss on the road in Chicago. Short and sweet, not impressed, and yeah, you can understand why. That was, uh, look, uh, that was, I, I think the most disappointing part for me was that third period with just not a whole lot there at all. I know third and four, all those types of things, but you had you had to beat the Hawks regardless of the schedule. And on this one, they didn't. And uh, back home now to take on the Ottawa Senators on Tuesday night. Okay, our Flames Talk postgame is underway. It's uh, Steinberg along with you on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Phone lines are open at 403-240-4444. Text line is open at 960-960. We'll take your phone calls and texts around the corner. Back inside the Flames locker room, couple more times as well after a great start to this road trip the flames with big wins in minnesota then nashville they dropped two straight in regulation to wrap it philadelphia understandable one against chicago a little harder to swallow uh 4-3 your final score your phone calls and texts are next call now text now this is your flames talk post game and this is calgary flames hockey on sportsnet 960 the fan the Flames Talk post-game show continues from the downtown studio on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. 
All right, tough one for the Flames, and, and honestly, an ugly one for the Flames. You know, it wasn't they, – they didn't have this game – uh, stolen from them by Peter Morazic. Um, it's it's not like they were so much better than the Hawks that this one was. Ah, you know what? They they just they got goalied or they they were they they had better. You know they 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 had more possession. Sure, they had more scoring chances. Sure, but it was one of those nights where they kind of just didn't match the work ethic. And yeah what, 95% of teams in the NHL are going to have more talented rosters than Chicago? But if you don't outwork a team that only has one thing to fall back on, and that's their work ethic, sometimes you're going to get punched in the mouth. And the Flames didn't work the same rate that the Hawks did. And they got punched in the mouth. And they did not have the same time it's not like it's it's not like I came away from this game feeling like the flames are lazy or the it had nothing to do with that it was just that that extra little um that that extra little one inch that you you might need on a certain play wasn't executed and and when you're playing against a team that is going to be doing those extra inches whether or not it's going to work in you know whether it's going to be executed at 100% or not because there's a talent deficit, you still have to do those things. And and that's kind of what I felt like today is that there just wasn't that full top-to-bottom buy-in, was sloppy, was inconsistent and up and down. And in the end, uh, the Flames lost one that they simply – you just can't be losing those ones, uh, especially when you had the opportunity to take three or four on a road trip, to come back above 500, to be yeah, – look, they're, they're still in the playoff mix – they, they are after this game as they were before, but could be in a much better spot. And look, they, they're one game away from midway through. Their midway mark is Tuesday. When Tuesday's game is done, they'll be halfway through their season. It's, a, it's an ugly one for the Flames. They, 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 needed to, uh, they needed to find a way, but they didn't, and they lose by one, and uh, the uphill climb will just continue. Here's the captain, Michael Backlund, inside the Flames locker room postgame this afternoon. Considering it's the end of a road trip, three games in four days, how do you feel like you guys played today? Uh, not good enough. Um, if you want to be a playoff team, that's a game we got to win. Uh, find a way to win. Um, yeah, it wasn't good enough. How do you develop that killer instinct against a team like this? Is that, is that a skill that you can develop? Yeah, I think today was more mental, though. I felt like um, we weren't um, just not dialed in enough and... Uh, um, that's just not enough. Uh, just no excuses for that. Overall, the road trip, how would you characterize it? What positives can you take out of it? Yeah, we played really well. Started the trip, two really good games, and then we let our game slip um, against uh, Philly and Chicago here. Um, uh, yeah, started real well, and I don't know. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's tough when we started so well. We had a good, really good chance here to have a really good trip, and uh, yeah, then it was... The position we're in, going 500 on a trip, uh, it's not good enough. Everybody had to deal with back-to-backs, but how tough are they? Well, today we, we played two midday games. That's no, that's not that hard. It's, uh, it's different when you play late, you arrive late at night. Um, those games are the hard ones, those back-to-backs. Uh, today, there's no excuse. Um, we're, we're used to going, playing, practicing, and working out every day, so um, there shouldn't be any fatigue today. No excuses, says the captain. There's Michael Backlund following a 4-3 loss on the road in Chicago. Hey, the phone lines are open. Got a few lines open right now. Another early edition of your Flames Talk postgame following a matinee in the Windy City. So call now. 
403-240-4444. You won't get a busy signal if you call now. Text line, a whole lot more jam than the phone lines are. We'll get to the text in just a second as well. Can tell you there's lots of text to get to this afternoon. Let's get to today's save of the game. First of all, though, brought to you by Shane Holmes. It was Dan Vladar getting the start in net today for the Flames. Uh, Dan Vladar's save of the game comes in period at number two. Ashapani bumped off the puck, and here comes Johnson the other way. Johnson drops it to Gutman. Gutman has a stick lifted and battles and gets it back and shoots, and Vladar somehow keeps the puck out. I thought that was going five-hole and right into the back of the Flames' net. That one of the 17 saves made by Dan Vladar this afternoon. That's his save of the game brought to you by Shane Holmes. For every save a Flames goaltender makes, Shane Holmes makes a donation to Kids Sport Calgary. Visit ShaneHolmes.com, the better way to build. Let's get to the text line for the first time this afternoon following a uh, bit of a yikes on the road in Chicago, starting with Stafford and Camrose today. Uh, same old, same old. Once again, the Flames lose to a cellar dweller. Pat, at some point, you have to admit this iteration of the Flames is just like last year's. They're a 500 club at best. I don't need to hear any excuses about the final game of a road trip. Better teams do better regardless of the circumstances, and they, quite frankly, aren't one of them. The saving grace is the trade deadline's coming up, and at this point, I'm counting on Conroy to really put his mark on this squad by making changes that'll eventually move the team away from mediocrity. You know, the thing is about uh, a game like this, maybe it can serve as a bit of a reminder that as as strong as the Flames can look sometimes, this is the mark of a mid-team. Is that sometimes you look really good and sometimes you look awful against uh, a team that is well below you in the standings. And that is... That's the case with every team in the NHL, even the best teams, but it's kind of a constant with, I mean, they're they're having these exact same conversations in Minnesota, and they're having these exact same conversations in St. Louis and in Nashville. Like, look at what Nashville did Thursday against the Flames. They looked horrible. They bounced back, and they looked great in a gutsy win against Dallas. You know why? It's because Nashville's a mid-team, and so are the Flames, and so are the Wild. This is the this is the of being a middle-of-the-road team is that your inconsistency in efforts that we see with our own two eyes is so uh, so wide-ranging and variant. There's such a large variance on a night-to-night basis, whereas if you're a top team, you know what to expect, and it's more of a surprise when you have a game like this. And when you're uh, a bottom team, you kind of – are used to being run out of the building more often than not and losing more often than not. So it's what it's what the Flames have proven they are almost midway through the season, a middle-of-the-road team. And to Stafford's point, that is why I think a lot of people are hoping that some significant decisions are made come the trade deadline. Uh, this from Rob, the fact the Flames president of Hockey Ops basically gave an interview saying they don't have plans for the future during the first intermission while this team lost to a team of nobodies shows this team is in serious trouble for the next decade. How can you not know the plan? The team's going nowhere. Sell, sell, sell. Now, I did not hear Don Maloney's uh, interview with Ryan Leslie, and I think I, I can almost guarantee you, Rob, that you're reading too much into... Maloney's words, he's not going to give you the plan outwardly on a live television interview after 20 or four, after 20 minutes in this case. So I didn't hear Don's interview with Les, but I, I, I can tell you that, Rob, you are 
reading too much into it. And also, the keys are in Conroy's hands as well, and those are things for Craig Conroy to talk about. So I, I think you are reading too much into that. Don Maloney's not going to be giving away too much. I, I really don't believe that. Um, I, I really do believe that the Flames do have themselves a plan between now and the trade deadline, and I do believe that they're moving closer and closer to making some of these difficult decisions. Uh, this from Claude. Pat, 500's a slippery handle for the Flames, but that's what they got on this road trip. Unless you're in the tank camp, this is depressing. It feels like Chicago's becoming their kryptonite, dating back to last April. This should have been an achievable two points. They need a game-breaker and don't have one. Kadri's the closest one and likely should have been their all-star selection, but whatever, it's the league's choice another good game um another good game from the uh the cadre line specifically from nazim with a couple of goals uh this says from dylan after thinking long and hard about it this is 100 percent the team i'd like to uh, take into the foreseeable future the key is eight-year deals between seven and nine and a half million dollars for mid-level players that should get it done i can't fathom the people out there that blame the coaching for horrendous goaltending bad giveaways and lack of talent Talent. Yeah, Huska's out there telling them to serve pizzas up the middle of the ice and yelling uh, at Vladar to not move on shots he had plenty of time to set up on. The guy would easily clear waivers. He's talking about Vladar. Hashtag Team Tank is happy Huberdo's hot and the team still can't show up for the bottom feeders. Hashtag Tank Commander. That comes from Dylan. This from Vince. Pat, this team is who they are. The games that are winnable, they cannot win. Two winnable games yesterday and today. This team's consistency, uh, losing to the team they should beat. Those uh, not surprised, uh, they've been doing this for years. They sure know how to fool us, get our hopes high, and then they do it again, losing to teams at the bottom of the league. Who are we fooling? Two points behind a wild card. Conroy needs to start trading and rebuilding this team. Lack of effort this afternoon and enough of excuse being a back-to-back. They're pros and get paid well. Frustrating to watch. Watch. Um, this says Elliot Friedman's stats say Flames won't make the playoffs after getting beat by basically an American League Chicago team. Wow, that should have been an easy two points. That's the difference between a non-playoff team and a playoff team. Um, this from Ethan in Saskatoon. While I'm officially a part of Team Tank, but remember this loss when they finished two points behind a playoff spot. Lee writes, enough's enough. This team has done one thing consistently, and that's underperform when they need to take advantage of situations like playing a banged-up team to gain two important points. Out with the players, not getting it done, and not wanting to be here or sign a new deal or whatever. Why keep them? They consistently disappoint their fans. Roy in Lethbridge said, I the Flames would have a bit more energy as they took most of the game off yesterday. Every team has three and five or four and six. Other teams play back-to-backs. It's crazy to think this team gets a pass every time they play back-to-back or get back after a road trip. Please execute trades or something soon. Maybe make Dubé have a game off. Tell the president of Hockey Ops if they're waiting for the guys to show them how much more they need to see. That comes from Roy and Lethbridge. By the way, uh, I do not personally look at the back-to-back as a viable excuse I really don't I know it was a tough schedule shouldn't have mattered they should have beat this team today um this says Pat does anybody else score besides Kadri also all I hear from Elias Lindholm is you know you know you know that's all I hear well I I mean look Elias is doing interviews in his second language I think that we can uh, give him uh, a pass on that I probably shouldn't have read that one but uh, I didn't have a chance to pre-read a lot of these ones we can give Lindholm a pass on doing interviews in his second language Uh, this says today's game 
is so typical of what this Flames team has been for years. Every time they get themselves in a position to move forward, they fail to make that step. Truth is, they're a 500 team and not much better, and they have been for years. Time to make some changes. Uh, when they fa fail to make the playoffs yet again this year, that's Mike, who's a 40-year Flames fan from Prab, who says, that's likely my last draw for the season. I usually always hold hope, but the writing's on the wall. Um, Derek Wills on postgame was bang on when he said the Flames just can't fall below 500 again. Looking forward to Conroy's moves for the trade deadline and the offseason. A few more texts before we hit the phone lines for the first time. Scotty and Victoria says, Pat, they simply couldn't keep up to the Blackhawks' energy. They looked flat and couldn't put many opportunities in. Not a good look losing to the worst team in the league whose starting roster is injured. I think at this point there's no chance of the playoffs uh, Dewar needs to be sent down play the young studs and enjoy the rest of the season let's get a top five first round pick uh, Rick from Montrose says I've seen a lot of disappointments in my time as a Flames fan but this one was particularly magical they finally get above 500 give us all hope that they've turned the corner and will go on a playoff run only to drop back with back-to-back uh, -back L's including this absolute beauty which was the definition definition of a gimme this is not a playoff team sell now and put me out of my misery. Woof. That's just a few of the texts. 960, 960. Keep them coming on our Flames Talk post game show. That was an ugly one in Chicago this afternoon. No doubt about it. Text line great so far. Let's hit the phone lines. Got a couple of lines open if you want to chat at 403-240-4444. And uh, yeah, if you call now, you won't get a busy signal. Text lines jammed. Phone lines a little thinner. Let's chat on Flames Talk post game. Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast. Podcast. It's Pat Steinberg with you following a 4-3 loss in Chicago. Uh, Ali is kicking us off on the phone lines today. What's up, Ali? Hey, Patty. How are you? Can you hear me? I got you loud and clear. How are we doing? Good. So this is my first time calling in. I just wanted to touch on a few things. Yeah. The first thing, first thing I wanted to talk about was the direction of the team. I know, I know you didn't hear the comments that Don Maloney made during the intermission, and you can't really take everything from what they say as, as valid, but a lot of people are saying, and myself included, that it doesn't really instill confidence that there's a plan with this organization. It always feels like they're looking into the short term. They're looking at if we like try and get into the playoffs and hope for the best that could happen. They never look past one year to three years to five years and so on. What are your thoughts on that? I understand why you say that. Again, I didn't hear Don's interview, but I do know that the keys are in Conroy's hands, and he's the one who will be making the decisions on the way this thing is going. Obviously, they're a hockey ops department, but uh, Craig Conroy is the guy driving the bus. I fully believe that the Flames will make moves with their pending unrestricted free agents if they're unsigned. I fully believe that they are watching this team and taking cues from what they've seen. And and I also believe that Craig Conroy has been working to see if some of these deals can be made. So I guess what I would say, and this is, again, uh, having not heard because I'm doing my own intermission, right, so I can't, I can't hear the live interview with Don and Ryan Leslie, but having not heard Don Maloney on uh, I, I, and, and just knowing how these things go, I can tell you that Maloney would have been going out of his way not to give anything away and not to tip hands any which way. So I, I guess I, I just think there's a danger of buying too much or reading too much or or. Um, biting too hard on, on what he might have said in a live first intermission interview. I think more than anything, that was um, 
That was a president of Hockey Ops trying not to tip a hand of which way this uh, this is going. Now, again, that said, without having listened to it or, or seen or heard it, but that, that would be my, my read knowing how these things go and also knowing who, who the one is with the, the most say on the direction of this organization. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Like, to me, kind of the writing's kind of on the wall, right? You look at the standings, for example. Really, in the Western Conference, you're fighting for one play, one wild card spot with five other teams. Like, the Flames are what are they are, what they are, a mediocre team. They should be selling their UFAs and looking to build on for next year, kind of similar to what like a team like Washington or Nashville or St. Louis did, because we know that in this fan base and in this organization, we're never truly going to rebuild all the way to the studs, which they shouldn't do with some of the players they have, but they should trade their pending UFAs and look to the next two, three years and build upon some of the young guys they have. And and I, I do think that is the way this is is leaning right now. I really do. Okay, and the last thing I wanted to touch on was more specifically with Dylan Newberry. Mm-hmm. He's, he's really struggled lately for the Flames. I think he has no points in like his last 20 games. And there was the, there was two plays today that were just they were like baffling to see. The, I think it was a shorthanded three-on-one where he got a pass across and he could have dropped one back for Uyghur, would have had an easy shot. He decided to take a shot for some reason. And, of course, that turnover at the blue line. Mm-hmm. It just seems like it's kind of like a Bennett situation where he's playing on the fourth line. Things aren't going for him. I think he just needs a change of scenery, especially being an RFA with a qualifying offer, which I feel like the Flames wouldn't match with the way things are going. Yeah, if that's um, if that is a road that they were exploring right now, it, it wouldn't shock me. Um, it's it's been a really difficult year for Dubé, and it's it's still a little hard to wrap your head around how things have swung so dramatically, Ali, because. Uh, that that's a guy who was a 45 18 goals and 45 points last year and now this it's it's just it's it's really hard to wrap your head around how things have taken such a dramatic swing from a guy that looked like maybe he was on the verge of taking another step to now what we're seeing here so um yeah I don't know I don't know if uh, a change of scenery is is what's needed I I don't think it's out of the question though that it's it's something that both sides would be potentially open to okay and just one last thing before I before I head out I just wanted to ask the possibility of the Flames exploring a trade with New Jersey. I think the Flames have a lot of pieces that New Jersey would like. Markstrom, Tanner, or Hannafin. They have a lot of injuries mm-hmm. to their back end, and their goaltending has been horrible. Yep. So, and they have some young, intriguing pieces. So I just wanted to ask about that before I headed off. Maybe the Flames should look at making a trade with the New Jersey. I could absolutely see them being a really good trade partner. And also, as um, I don't remember who brought it up, so I, I, I apologize for not uh, remembering what caller jogged my memory on this on, on Saturday's post-game show, but there's also a history of trading with the Devils, right? I mean, that, that Foley trade um, ended up working out decently or has worked out decently so far for the Flames. So, you know, there's also a little bit of a history there too. So, yes, um, Markstrom potentially, 
Potentially, I could see. I, I understand why that connection's been made for as long as it has been made, and I also think that there is is a, a real fit there. And I even know a couple of pretty reputable insiders have even said, "Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. I, I think that would be a really good fit." Um, and and also on defense, they just lost Siegenthaler. They're already without uh, Hamilton, and yeah, I, I could absolutely see either one of Calgary's you know pending UFA D men being a good fit with the Devils. So for sure, Ali, I, I think that is. Uh, potentially really strong fit for a trade. Okay. Thanks, Patty. This is my first time calling in. I'll hope to call in a few more times. Yeah, call and... back anytime. Great, great call, man. Let's hope for a top 10 pick. Ali, you have yourself a great afternoon. Have a great rest of your weekend, hey? You too. Bye. Thanks, man. 403-240-4444 is your phone number. 4-3 Flames lose in Chicago this afternoon. Phil with us on our Flames Talk postgame show. What's up, Phil? Hey, hey Patty. How you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. How are you? Happy New Year to you. Happy, Happy New Year. New Year for you. I'm, uh, yeah, it was, yeah, it was a, good. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, good. Yeah, I got a couple things on my mind here. Um, Hit me. As as far as the uh, pending UFAs go, I'd like to see the Flames keep Tatum because of this fact that Shillington is getting ready to come back and I'm anticipating his, his, his arrival again. And those two working together is a great deal. But as far as moving Markstrom, I think would be a bad idea. We need to keep him in there in a goal. We need that his strong goaling ability. Vladar, yeah, let him go. We'd like to trade him. As far as Hannafin and Lindholm go, is there a possibility that maybe uh, trading them for one of Huberto's ex-line mates to get Huberto going? I think that if you're trading either Hannafin or Lindholm, Phil, you're probably looking at at trying to get some future assets as opposed to things for right now would be my read on that one. Fair enough, fair enough. That is is my thinking, too. Um, Another another thing I want to mention is the next next guy I want to mention is that we all have demons in our closet, monkeys on our back. But has Corey Perry ever been brought up in the conversation to bring him over to the Flames? I I don't know. I would doubt it. Um, I I'm not even sure what that looks like from a league standpoint. I I honestly, Phil, I wouldn't touch that one with a ten foot pole. I really wouldn't. Okay, just just, just I mean, I'm looking at his stats, and he's got some pretty good stats. No, I I I realize I real. I just think that that, that one I would um, I wouldn't touch that one with a ten foot pole. Oh yeah, okay. But as far as uh, a retooling and a rebuilding for the Flames go, uh, I like what the new guys are bringing. The young guys they they got a lot of enthusiasm. They've got a lot of spark. Uh, they're working well with what we've got already. So I'm waiting for Pelche to get back to to help the guys out. But, uh, yeah, I mean, where where do you see – I mean, it's kind of an F.E. right now if we're going to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, that being said, if we can get these young guys firing to make the playoffs, to give them a, you know, a round or two in the playoffs, to give them some experience, 
I mean, it would be it would be great, but it's also a tall task, especially if you move on from some of your pending UFAs too. Look, I I think one of the things that is Im- important is trying to. Um, I think it's important to try to uh, stay as competitive as you possibly can here, um, but you know I also think it's. Um, it's a difficult task when you're talking about trading away uh, a lot of your pending unrestricted free agents, perhaps. So, look, we'll we'll see how this thing goes, man. We'll see how this plays out. Um, and it's going to be an interesting next uh, couple of months leading up to the trade deadline. Phil, I appreciate the call, man. You have yourself a great day. Thank you, Patty. You have a good one, too. Be well, man. 403-240-4444 is your phone number. As the Flames fall 4-3 to the Chicago Blackhawks, it's Pat Steinberg along with you on your Flames Talk postgame show. Andy is up next. What's up, Andy? Hey, Pat. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm very good. I uh, listened to your show for years. This is the first time I've called in. Welcome aboard. Uh, I did call in to, like, uh, like the Blue Jays, whatchamacallit's, Jay's talk more than once. Yeah, Jay's talk. It was awesome. Um, people got to realize I'm like fifty some years old. I love the Flames. I want them to win, but in the same token, we all know they're not going to win. So how do we move forward? How do we make it work? Uh, like, what do we do? Like, I want them to lose. Like, today, I want them to lose. I watch a game. I want them to lose. It's like, but I really didn't want them to lose, but I did. It's like, ah. No, I, I, I feel you. I understand. And, and you're not alone in, in that type of feel because I think there's a lot of sentiment right now talking about how, hey, this is this is a team that um, doesn't it, – it feels like they're kind of stuck spinning their wheels in the middle of the Western Conference, which is you know generally where they've been more often than not over the last decade or decade and a half. And, and now with these pending unrestricted free agents, I think there's a lot of people who feel like the the writing isn't just on the wall but it's it's plastered in bold red spray paint in in terms of what needs to happen so you know one of the one of the first things that I think if if you're looking for a pivot or a different direction one of the first things that has to happen is this team has got to make the the deals for their pending unrestricted free agents. To me, that is the the first step to yeah. putting this team on a different course. Hundred percent, I totally agree, uh, and I do understand keeping Tanev. I I I understand why you'd want to keep him, but it's like you know what? No, we got to go forward. We got to let all of it go, and we got to do our best. And moving Tanev is part of that, I would think. What yeah, think? I would too. Yeah, 100%. And they've got, you know, about a two, two-month two window here to make a lot of these calls, right? Yeah, I agree. I agree. It, 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 how do the other teams view Tanev? Or, like, like, they probably look at Calgary and they're like, Oh, we're going to steal people from you. Like we're going to steal your draft picks. They are going to try to use us 
And it's like, no. Like, hello, Craig Conroy. Let's go to town and let's do a, a reverse well, I think more deal. I, I think, you know, in a lot of ways, that's part of the reason why Conroy has um, why he's been really patient in this whole conversation is because of what you're talking about. Um, you know, I, I think that the the fact that other general managers have been maybe a little less or, or a little bit more willing to not play ball because they look at the situation with the Flames and the first-time general manager and them definitely being in a little bit of a bind. Um, I, I think the general managers are, are not giving really uh, commensurate offers or, or um, competitive offers as things stand right now. So, you know, that's that's part of why Craig Conroy's almost been forced to be as um, to be as patient as he's needed to be here. I agree, 100%. Totally. So we'll see. We'll see how much more patient um, he is is willing to be here. He's again got a couple of weeks until um, a couple of months rather until we get to the trade plan, right? That's right. The best thing we can hope for is a uh, first a reverse Doug Gilmore deal. Ha! I yeah. would like that. That'd be good. Uh, Andy, you have yourself a great day. Hey, I appreciate the you call. Too. Thank you. 403-240-4444 remains your phone number following a 4-3 loss on the road to Chicago. Tough one for the Flames this afternoon and an ugly one when you think about it as uh, up next is Brad. What's going on, Brad? Hey, Patty. How you doing, sir? I'm good, man. How are you? Great. Thank you. Long-time listener. First time you and I have actually spoken over the phone. Lots of text interactions, but uh, let's have a chat. Yeah, let's do it. Just want to know, man, I've been a multiple decades long Flames fan. Um, I love watching this team compete, whether we're, you know, in line for a Stanley Cup contender type label or not. I like to see the team compete and win. Um, when's the last time you saw the Flames with a really solid stock draft? Uh, sorry, when you ask that question, in what sense? In the sense of having several picks and looking like we got, you know, a chance to actually make some noise and get some, mm. some stuff into the pipelines. Because I like that we got the kids that we got. Um, where are we going from there, though? So basically what I'm getting at is I know we got a, lot, a bunch of UFAs, and I think the, the resounding idea is to start moving on from these guys and stop the draft a little bit. So, I mean, this year we're going to be right back in that 15 to 17, somewhere in that same old draft pick that we pick every year if we have our first. So what about next year? Why not uh, try and package for some picks in the 25 draft, you know? Well, I think that's part of what this whole thing is going to come down to is what I, – I think what the Flames are, are ideally looking for here is a combination of picks, this year's draft, next year's draft, maybe as far down as the 26th draft. Um, so, so picks for sure. Um and on top of the picks, also looking for um, some young NHLers. And, and, you know, prospects are great, and I don't think they're not looking for prospects. But I also think that this is a management crew that, you know, wonders about younger players who, you know, aren't 18, 19. Maybe we're talking about 22, 23-year-olds, guys that they feel can jump 
jump into the NHL lineup right now. I think that the um, the, the well, number yeah. the number one thing that I think the Flames are are looking to do right now, like their number one goal, is to make this NHL roster younger. It's less about stocking the overall organizational cupboards. Um, I think I think the number one goal is to make the NHL roster younger, and and also if you can be stocking cupboards with picks and get some more future assets as part of that, they'll, they'll be doing that. Well, and I couldn't agree more because, I mean, when you got a draft pick, it doesn't matter where it is in the draft. You don't know what that player is going to be. But when you have a prospect that's been in a system for a little while, mm-hmm. you have a little bit better of an idea of what that 22-year-old, that 21-year-old is going to be rather than the 17-year-old, right? So, I don't know. I couldn't agree more. I just I feel like we could maybe get a little bit more value over reaching down to the next draft as opposed to this draft coming up, as well as looking what's going to be available for us where we're going to be picking. You know, like, let's yeah. let's – I mean, it's time. It's been 35 years of watching this team somewhere in the middle most years. Once in a while, we're up there with the contender status. But are you ever really convinced? Mostly not. Um, yeah. I guess what I'm saying is I'm just kind of echoing the last couple callers. And I think it's time. I mean, I've been an apologist for 10 years here. And I just I think it's time to watch the team burn out. It's, it's how teams are built in 2024. You go get those studs in the first, second round, and then build around them. Um, I don't know. I just kind of it's, it's it's been frustrating enough that I'm actually calling you to talk about it, sir. You know, it's just it's been that kind of run. It it's been it's been a frustrating couple of years, especially. There's, there's no yeah. doubt about that. Yeah. So I won't take up any more time, sir. Um, I appreciate you taking my call. Uh, keep doing what you're doing. You're you're a pleasure to listen to. Well, I appreciate that, and uh, you have yourself a great day. Hey. You as well. Thank you. Thank you, man. Uh, Shan downstairs, if you can um, pop on the next call, if you can pop an end on line one on, I've uh, run into some uh, serious computer issues upstairs, so I've uh, temporarily lost control of my call screen. So thank you. I heard you switch it on. Uh, 403-240-4444 is your phone number as the flames fall by a 4-3 score on the road in Chicago this afternoon. It's uh, Pat Steinberg along with you on your Flames Talk postgame show as we say hello to our buddy Ann And What's going on, pal? Good evening, buddy. How are you? I'm good, man. How are you? Yeah, uh, doing good. Yeah, I couldn't call in yesterday, but I just wanted to say a couple of things from yesterday's game too. Uh, so first of all, I liked that Hoover door shot and the goal. Uh, that was amazing. So I like how he's getting uh, back into track. And uh, tonight's game as well, he had an assist and a point. And then Kadri as well, he's doing good uh, with his two goals uh, today to get some hope uh, before the loss tonight. Uh, I do have a question for you regarding Dylan Dubey. I know I haven't talked much about him. Uh, do you think possibility maybe we can give him a, a break a day or a game or two uh, to see how he improves because he has not been doing that well. He contributed to a turnover as well. What are your thoughts on that one? Yeah, I mean, if they if they wanted to go down that road, I... I um... I could certainly understand it. I mean, they, they uh, brought Ruzichka out of the game today, um, and, and he didn't, so they brought Dewar back in. But, I mean, really, the, the fourth line, Greer, Dubé, and Dewar didn't do much. Um, it, it, so I, I, I don't I don't know if it is going to do much. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a, a swing point in, you know, that's going to make a big-time 
impact. There's no doubt that Dylan is really fighting it right now. He's struggling. So, you know, maybe uh, maybe a, a seat in the press box, a regroup situation as much as anything else might be the way to go. It wouldn't surprise me. Um, and, and they did it with Rizicka for this game. They've done it with Dewar. If, if that was something they wanted to do on the, the front of um, Dylan Dubé, I, I, I could see why they might be thinking about doing that or, or would uh, potentially think about doing that. All right, yeah, and just a couple more questions. Uh, I know we do really well against the top-ranked teams, uh, for example, Nashville Predators, Vegas Golden Knights, but then we drop the ball when it comes to these lower-ranked teams, like the Blackhawks. Do you you know why or do you think there is a factor behind it? Other than there, that's just, in my eyes, that's a symptom of being a middle-of-the-road team, and that's kind of what the Flames are is – you know, sometimes you'll look really good against uh, a really good team. Sometimes you'll blow out a team well below you in the standings, and then sometimes you have a game like I mean, it's just the the inconsistency in efforts, in my eyes, is one of the hallmarks of being a middle-of-the-road team. And so the, these are the same questions that fans in Minnesota and St. Louis and many other teams right now who are in the middle of the pack are having. I mean, Nashville, same thing. So um, that, that's that's the main thing. I, I don't think I don't think it really goes beyond much beyond that, in my opinion. Um, so that that's the best way that I would answer that for you, Anand. And. All right, and one final question: uh, Do we have an injury update on Gilbert yet? Or no, do we no, we don't. We don't. No. Okay. No, we. He's missed the last two. He's he's gone through. He's going through concussion protocol. Um, We'll see if he's on the ice for morning skate on Tuesday. Um, But no, no update, no timeline or anything right now. All right. So do we maybe see Kuznets getting an NHL debut? I have no idea. I mean, I thought today. I thought today would have been a really good time for it. And and against this Hawks team, second half of back to back. I thought this would have been a really good time to do it. So I I don't have. I I would have today. I don't have a feel as to whether or not they would think about doing it or not. I know that this coaching staff. You know, as and and most NHL coaching staffs, you're in the the thick of a playoff battle. It's it's hard for a lot of coaches in that uh, right in the thick of it to go to somebody that they don't have a lot of knowledge on and that they don't feel is proven. And there's more trust in guys that you've had all year long. If it was me, I don't have to. I you know if I'm making the decisions and I can say this freely without you know having any consequences. Yeah, I would have gone Kuznetsov today, um, but I also realized that you know me saying that there's no consequences right like i can just say that and i don't actually have to be responsible for the decision all right yeah sounds good back all right thanks so much for the chat have a good night and get home safe stay warm and we'll talk to you on tuesday okay thanks Anna. be well buddy the phone lines remain open at 403-240-4444 and the text lines open at 960-960 on this sunday afternoon the flames fall 4-3 to the chicago blackhawks this is your flames talk post game show apple spotify google amazon or wherever you get your podcast. Text line remains open at 960-960. Phone lines remain open at 403-240-4444. Let's select today's player with heart, brought to you by HeartFit Clinic. 
I thought Michael Backlund was a big-time man on a mission in this game today. Uh, I thought Backlund was really, really impactful, and uh, I thought the captain was one of the best players on the ice. He played 19 minutes and 22 seconds. Michael with uh, led the team with eight individual shot attempts, six shots, uh, four scoring chances, and all four of those were from the slot, four high-danger chances for Michael Backlund, too. Thought he was Calgary's, one of Calgary's best players in this game and I'm going with Michael Backlund as today's player with heart also on Tuesday Michael Backlund will tie Mark Giordano for second most uh, games played in franchise history so big milestone coming up for Michael who will tie on Tuesday and if all goes according to plan we'll uh, move into sole possession of number two on the all-time games played list on Thursday in Arizona that is your player with heart Michael Backlund today and it's brought to you by Heart Fit Clinic for heart fit assessments and proven treatments not available at your doctor's office. Visit heartfit.ca. Let's go back inside the Flames locker room for a final time this afternoon. Nazem Kadri had a pair of goals in a losing effort today. Let's hear from Nazem postgame inside the Flames locker room. Naz, you guys are at the end of a long road trip, three games and four nights. Based on that, how do you think you played today? Um, yeah, today not the best. Uh, obviously, you know, walking out of here, 500 road trip, which is okay, but we felt like, uh, you know, it could have been better. Uh, you know, unfortunately, I lost tonight, but, uh, I mean, we're going to have to regroup. How tough are these back-to-backs? Yeah, I mean, they suck for sure, especially when, when it's on the road. Um, you know, that's no excuse. Everyone faces the same challenge. So, uh, you know, for us, um, we got to do something better to, to be a little more prepared, but I don't think that's, uh, that's an excuse. When you're playing a team like Chicago, that roster was decimated. Is there a way that you guys can sort of develop more of a killer instinct? For sure. I mean, I think earlier in the game when, uh, you know, we're up a goal or um, the game's tied, we, we need to figure out some sort of solution to maybe, um, you know, uh, get a, get the next one to, to really uh, add some insurance. Fortunately, we're not we're not able to do that. But, uh, you know, they had a couple big power play goals tonight, which which was the difference. Last one, just your thoughts on the uh, road trip overall. Yeah, just okay. Uh, great start, terrible finish. So, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of how she goes. Sometimes, uh, you know, goes your way, sometimes it doesn't. But, you know, we felt like, uh, you know, we could have been above 500. And, uh, you know, that probably should have been the case. Your second goal from the goal line, is that just a case of throw it on and see what happens? Yeah, I just, I just kind of noticed that he was uh, swimming a little bit. I don't think he was quite sure where the puck was, so I figured I'd just, you know, put one short, uh, low short side and was able just to find a hole. That is Nazem Kadri postgame following a 4-3 loss on the road in Chicago. Nazem with two goals in a losing effort today as the Flames will go back to the drawing board. They've got the uh, Ottawa Senators for a quick one-game stop on home ice. Uh, that game coming your way, of course, on Tuesday night. Right now, this is your Flames Talk postgame show. It's Pat Steinberg along with you on this uh, on this Sunday afternoon. Let's get back to the text line at 960 960 uh actually you know what before we get there we got to look ahead we'll get back to the text line in just a second but first looking ahead brought to you by oncolytics biotech fighting cancer by unleashing the power of the immune system to learn more about how they use a patient's immune system to battle cancer visit oncolyticsbiotech.com and as i mentioned next up is that game against the ottawa senators on tuesday night seven o'clock face off on sportsnet west 
second and final game in the season series against the Sens. The Sens won the first game back on November 11th 4-1 in our nation's capital. Overall Flames 2-2-1 against Ottawa in their last five meetings dating back to the start of the 21-22 season. So that's next up for the Flames. That's coming up on Tuesday. Then they're on the road Thursday against the Arizona Coyotes and uh, also on the road Saturday against Vegas. Thursday's game at 7 o'clock. Saturday's game 8 o'clock against the Vegas Golden Knights. Looking ahead. Brought to you by Oncolytics Biotech. Fighting cancer by unleashing the power of the immune system. To learn more about how they use a patient's immune system to battle cancer, visit OncolyticsBiotech.com. Now back to the text line we go at 960-960. who says, uh, well, this is from Eric, who says, most frustrating part of this entire season has been the power play. Shocking they don't talk about it more. Savard's been a dud so far, in my opinion. This team is still more fun to watch than last year. Uh, this from Colin in Calgary, who says, Pat, the coach needs to back up his comments. Think he's been fine so far. He needs to sit the highest profile perpetrators against the Sens, or he could lose the room. That comes from Colin in Calgary. I am curious to see what the lineup looks like for Tuesday versus Ottawa. Uh, this says, Pat, I'm a 68-year-old Flames fan who's still passionate about, uh, passionate about the team and who suffers terribly with each humili- humiliating loss like the one today. The coach's decision to give such very limited ice time to players like Greer and Dewar in the first two periods when clearly the core veterans were bagged and playing listless is mind-boggling. Um, this says... Uh, from Kurt in Whitehorse. Uh, oh, I met Kurt at Leot uh, Leo's uh, last uh, last weekend. Hello, Kurt. Um. Kurt with us in Whitehorse, who says, uh, listening to the show and frustrated with people wanting to make trades now, they have to wait until the deadline to get the best returns. Just my thoughts. I think Mercer from Jersey could be attainable if they deal with them. Uh, cheers and see you at Sheep Camp soon. Sheep Camp's is uh, spot up in Whitehorse. If you're ever in the Yukon capital, go to uh, Sheep Camp and see Kurt. Um, I, I think there's something to that too, Kurt, about waiting until the deadline. I do think there's a decent chance that you could get more come the deadline if you wait. Now, the Flames have a price. Like I do think that they have set a price for what they want for some of these players. And if they hit that price, say, tomorrow, I don't think Conroy would hesitate on some of these players. So that, that would be the only kind of caveat on the conversation you're talking about right there. Uh, this from Mandeet from BK Beaufort, who says, uh, oh man, tonight was just a classic Flames game against an AHL team. Zero heart in a must win. They need to get rid of all the UFAs and restock anything and everything for the future. Young guys are the only bright spot this year, and I'll take that and let's bring up more guys from the farm. They aren't a playoff team and they don't deserve to be. Just another cash grab for the owner. Uh, I trust Conroy, and I know he'll do great things here soon. Just hope they get some high picks and the timing works out. Lots of teams could use Calgary's UFAs, and I feel like the value's only going up. That comes from Mandeep, who's hoping for a Robert call. I, I don't want to. I don't want to give anything away, but you might get your wish. Is all I'm saying. Uh, Curtis writes. Pat, why are Flames fans so negative? I get they all want the Flames to be winners, but my God, I lived in Vancouver, on Vancouver Island for most of my life, and I'd listen to the Vancouver station, and the negativity when the Canucks were bad was nowhere near as bad as what the Flames are like. It's bloody ridiculous. Flames are not a good enough team to make the playoffs. Plain and simple, some key trades need to happen, but all I hear is negativity. Where's the positivity on players like Zeri or the optimism of Shillington and Pelche and having a goaltender? 
contender that could should be a big star. Let's be patient and spread some positive vibes so the team isn't constantly hearing negativity from fans and media. That comes from Curtis. Uh, I like the positivity, Curtis. Um this says from Brian S. Wow, as much as Euler fans love to give it out to Flames people, uh, I did not see this loss coming. Um, I don't know what the rest of that text is supposed to be, so I, I don't want to accidentally read it on um, with without knowing what's happening. So I I won't read the rest of that text because I don't know what it was going. Uh, <laughs> what it was going to say, or what it was trying to say. This says, any idea why Shillington hasn't played with the Wranglers yet? Mainly because he's not physically ready. Um, he's had a few, he's had one full contact practice on Friday, uh, on Thursday rather, since returning on this conditioning stint. So they're not just going to throw him into important Wranglers games having had one full contact practice in like more than 18 months. He might play Thursday, might play Thursday, but this is the, the the conditioning assignment to the Wranglers was all about practice and was not so much about games being played. Maybe he plays on Thursday, maybe he doesn't, but it, plain and simple just wasn't physically ready to get into a midseason American League game. That That's why he hasn't played. Um, this says from Rod, Pat, I think Dubé misses Coach Sutter. Um, this says third D pair and the fourth line were suspect today. Would you say there's a good chance we see Rooney, Pelche, and Greer get a go later this month? Maybe. Uh, I, I do believe Rooney and Pelche are knocking on the door. Like, I think that we're kind of in the pocket right now of those guys being medically cleared. So I think medically those guys could be cleared in the very near future if they're not already. So I think that that, that is step one. Then it's back to practicing and conditioning assignments to the American League, too. I think that pretty good chance that both Rooney and Pelche would go to the American League to start, buy some time, get their legs back underneath them, and then go from there. So I do think at some point the, the potential of a Rooney-Pelche-Greer line Sure, why not? Or Pelche somewhere else. They're gonna have to do some, uh, you know, they have to do some things here to try to get those guys in. I still think you're talking about weeks until Rooney or Pelche are ready to get back into NHL games. But I do think that they are close to being medically cleared if they haven't been already. So I, I think that the that's the you know kind of the next step. Then the conditioning assignments and practice. Those types of things, but I still think you're talking about weeks until you see those guys back in NHL action. But later this month, maybe because that would still be weeks. We're still early in January. Um, this from Andrew in Calgary who says, "Agreed, Pat. The back-to-back excuse doesn't apply in this particular case. A professional hockey team wins this game, but at least they're having fun this year, right?" Uh, this says, "Listen, Patty. This is by no means a convincing squad. They may hover around the eight seed, but what's that doing for the franchise? How many number sixteen or seventeen over?" all picks do they need uh what else we got here at 960 960 um this uh says pat if there was any silly hope for this team it's been addressed today this says from rick and lakeview um Pat, well, this is the kind of performance that makes me want to see the decisions and changes come about sooner than later. Too much uncertainty is adding to the inconsistent play. Uh, Le Pew, that comes from Rick in Lakeview. This just says writing's on the wall. This from Paul and Chestermere. Pat, thanks for being the heart and soul of Calgary Sports Radio. What do you think of a Tanev and Vladar to the Leafs for Minton, Samsonov, and Liljegren? I don't know if you could pry all that out of Toronto for those two, but... 
either of Tanev or Vladar to the Maple Leafs makes sense-ish. So is it out of the question they could go together? No, not out of the question. But I do think Toronto is an interesting trade partner for the Flames. I just don't know if you're going to be prying both Liljegren and Minton out of them in a trade like that. But I do think Toronto's got some interesting pieces for the Flames. And I also think there is a good fit for the Maple Leafs with both of those players. Um, and thank you, Paul, for the, the kind words as well. Um, this says there's no way you win a cup with Coleman as your leading scorer, so ship out Lindholm, Tanev, who I love, but his value will never be higher, and Vladar. Resign Hannafin if you can, and trade Huberdeau for Gaudreau. Last one, mostly a joke. Yeah, I don't know if that is realistic or not. I know that Flames fans have buzzed about that one on online. I don't know if it's actually something that would happen, though. Be a hell of a story if it did, I'll tell you that much. Uh, this says Chicago was a game the Flames had to have. Such a waste of two good games to start the road trip. Uh, this says Markstrom has been this team's MVP. It's a shame he's not going to the All-Star game. Actually, meh, who watches that? Anyway, nice to see they're on the way to a non-impact draft pick. This ownership group doesn't have a clue. They seem to pander to the... Uh, retired and those still earning money. I don't want to hear Sweet Caroline or the good old hockey game. I don't want to eat the food that poor volunteers serve at the Dome or watch hard work and work boots. I want good food. Pat, to choose the music and nothing but generational talent. Unfortunately, we'll never get that. So for me, it's whether I pay attention anymore or maybe I'll even cheer against them in the playoffs well until old ownership changes. So that's a very pessimistic Flames fan. Uh, this says, time to blow this group up. So hard to watch. Play surprisingly well against Nashville. Then soil themselves twice on the following weekend. It's tiring. The strategy of trying to squeeze into the playoffs and hope for a Cinderella run is old. Don't re-sign the UFAs. Move on with the goal of building a good team, not just a playoff squeaker. Uh, there you go. That is the text line today at 960-960. Uh, great stuff so far on the text line uh, and really appreciate it. Let's get back to the phone lines with a few more calls before uh, we close things out on our Flames Talk post game, but still have lots of calls to get to. Flames lose 4-3 to Chicago here on your Flames Talk post game show, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Robert is up next. I said I, I told you you might get your wish if you were hoping for a Robert call. Hello, pal. How we doing? Happy Sunday, buddy. Happy Sunday, Robert. Tampa won. The Buccaneers win. I know. They're going to get smoked in the playoffs, but at least they're back there in the playoffs. Frisco's winning the Super Bowl. Remember, you heard it. Who's winning it? San Fran? Frisco. Okay. Yep. I can see it. Patty. You know, 13 years. How many years have you been here? 13 years? 13, 14? About 12, 13, right? Well, I mean, I've been at the station for 20 in May, but no, I've been doing this. Time. I've been doing this, yeah, since fall of 09. So fall of 09 to fall of 23 would be uh, good math. That would be 12. This is season 12 or 13, one of the two. Patty, they didn't have you fooled when they won those two games. They don't fool you, do they? They don't fool me, Patty. I know you're better than that. They, but they no, I, I didn't. I, I didn't come away from those two games saying, "Watch out." I mean, they yeah. played well. Look, this is a team that win. Uh, there's a team that's good enough to beat other middle of the road teams. They're a right. team that's good enough to beat some really good teams on on some nights. I mean, they're they're, they're not 
like as built, they're not a bottom of the barrel team, but they're also not a team that is going to scare anybody in the playoffs. As that's why I keep saying they're they're a mid team, they're a middle of the road Western Conference team, and so uh, a middle of the road Western Conference team beat a couple of other middle of the road Western Conference teams on on Tuesday and Thursday, lost to a Flyers team that was desperate on yeah. on Saturday, and then absolutely soiled the sheets against Chicago. That that's kind of the that's that's kind of a typical week for a middle-of-the-road team, isn't it? Yes. You know, Patty, before I get to the main topic, you know you know what's going on. You're, you're a young, educated, intelligent man. You know what's going on. You know what bothers me, Patty? When we beat a team like Vegas and that, and I don't want to break names because i got to stop doing that, oh, this team can beat anybody. In the NHL, anybody can beat in the night. Patty, I don't like those comments. I, I know I hear more your comments. I don't want to bring up names. When we beat the top team, or when this team wants to, they can be no, 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 no. Anyway, let me get to my main topic. You know what's the main topic, right, Patty? Murray Edwards. Patty, yes, he spans to the cap. He puts his money out, but he also makes a profit. I want an owner who makes money and who builds a Stanley Cup. See, all this thing going on now, you think, Patty, that this team's going to rebuild, do a lot of moves? I don't buy that, Patty. Because well, the, the only thing that I've seen, the only thing that I've said, Robert, is that I think that they're going to. Go, uh, yes, I think they're going to. I think they're going to trade away time. their unrestricted free agents if they are not yes. signed come the trade deadline. And I okay. think if they move those guys out, that they're going to move them out for. Um, yes. for, for for future but it's pieces. Not a full rebuilt. Is that a full we don't No, and I I don't, Robert. I don't think that that's something that is is honestly going to happen. I'm, I'm not. Yes. And that's what I want to talk about, Patty. And that's the problem. The, the, it's going to be the problem after I'm gone in 20, with this ownership. That will be always be the problem, Patty. This owner does not want to build a Stanley Cup team, does not want to suffer two, three years with the draft being lousy. He wants to make money. He wants to make profit. He wants to spend, and he's happy with that. But he's not interested in making money and building a contender. Never will be, and never is going to happen. And that's the problem we're always going to have. The ownership. He's going to be the owner, and that's the problem. That's my, my frustration, Patty. That's why my anger is not about the players. I don't care about the players. It's a jersey. With this ownership, Patty, it'll always be the same. Tinker in the air, tinker in the... Patty, I guarantee you, when we won those two, three games, we got a couple of points. Murray Edwards, you were thinking, oh, maybe we... Patty, I don't want to ramble. You know the problem here. It's Edwards. So now you're going to ask me, well, he's the owner, right? So it can be... It's not easy to find a new owner or to bad team, right? But that's the problem, Patty. That is the problem, Patty. It's the ownership, Patty. Everything else, Conroy or coaches, you're all going to be sacrificial left under this ownership. How many coaches here, Patty? How many players signing? Bringing Yammer Jagger to such. Patty, it's a clown owner, clown organization. Yes, he has money. He makes money. He has no clue about hockey and to build a contender and never wants to. Bottom line, 
that's the anger and the frustration. And we're stuck with that. You know, you talk about trading Uber or Scotra. No, no, not trading Uber or Scotra. Replacing this order. That's what we got to talk. That's the only way this franchise is ever going to move ahead, Patty. Honestly, enough. It's enough. This ownership is... I don't want to say what I want to say. I wish, I wish, I really do wish, somehow he sells the thing, something happens. But I know I'm grasping a straw. I don't want to get frustrated, Patty. I've had enough. I've had enough. It's the ownership, Patty. It starts from the top. Everything from the top trickles on down. Thank you for taking my call, Patty. You're a good man. Thanks. Happy New Year, Robert. Good to hear from you, pal. Um, and yes, I, 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 this is it's a conversation that we've had many times before with Robert. So, um, and and look, I I do understand part of the frustration. Like you're talking about, you you fans want to see a team that that wins a Stanley Cup and that is is going to be able to be more than just a team that that sneaks in. And who knows what would have happened had Matthew Kachuk and Johnny Gaudreau re-signed here. That didn't happen. Well, now there's a real opportunity to, to go in a different direction. And I know there are varying opinions of what that different direction should look like. It's going to be very interesting to see how that all plays itself out here in the next uh, couple of months. Uh, three more calls, it looks like, before we wrap things up on the phone lines this afternoon, starting with Aaron. What's up, Aaron? Hey, Pat. How you doing? I'm well. How are you? Is this uh, Aaron? Are you, are you calling from? Uh, are you calling from down under? Is this you? No, I'm calling from Calgary. I used okay. to call you a few times from 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 Nanton. Okay. Okay. I have, a, I have a few positive points. I just wanted, or just points, um, excited about Olership, Oler Shillington being a Wrangler. I think that will be the jersey I'll purchase. My, my concern, the fourth line, I just it doesn't seem to who they put, other than maybe Greer. It doesn't. It doesn't seem to work, right? Um, at, for Hannafin, I'm for it. If you, you get him for six years eight years. This guy's been at work. You look at what he's been doing for the last few games. And I listen to you guys religiously on the radio. Mm-hmm. And just now watching the last few games, he, he, he's, he's a producer. He's, you know, he's worth, he's worth. I mean, I think he wants to be here. Um, with the goalie selection, I, I, don't, I don't understand why we played with our, Markstrom was our best player yesterday. Back to back, two things there. Back to back with travels I, I one, that, and and the second the one is player. that they're they're really committed. I think to getting Markstrom some rest. I I, I think that there there's been a big conversation, um, and I think that that especially after Jacob came back from injury, I think they are committed to making sure that Jacob gets proper rest levels. And I also think that played into why you saw Vladar against Nashville and you know why you when saw I him saw here. Eight eighty eight save percentage before the screen, before the game started. And, and the three goals he allowed, I'm like, I knew. I, I get it. I get it. But I mean, today, I, I didn't think Vladar was outstanding today. I'm not trying to suggest that, but 
I just you you can't play Markstrom every night, and they're really it. committed to they're He's really committed to managing something. his rest levels. Yeah, but you know what? I don't think they're an underperforming team. They're doing pretty good for the players they sign. I like the young talent that for years during the Aguilera era you didn't get to see, mm-hmm. and I love that the Wranglers are here. Like, so it's more maybe beneficial to send players up and down. Last point, I'd love to see Dubé be a Wrangler. I think that would be more beneficial for his game. And number 71, too. It's just it's not working for them up here. Problem is they do require waivers, and, and that, think, that would you, be... Do you think someone would pick them up, Pat? Just ask it. Um, I honestly don't know at this point. I mean, I, I think on the Dubé front, the contract might be something that um, would be a deterrent to a team picking him up, but I also think there are teams that... Uh, he was so good a couple, like, going just, like, but he's drifted. And I know, and I, that's why I wonder if like, because he had 45 points doing? last year. Other than being able to do a face-off once in a while, which is, we need that. It's zone possession, but, man... He seems like an AHL player right now. He's struggling, man. He's he's going through it for sure. I love your show. Listen every day. Everyone be safe. There's a lot of cold coming, so be safe on the roads, everyone. Well said. Thank, Thank you, you, Aaron. Thank you very much for uh, the call, and uh, we can't lose to Ottawa. <laughs> we can't lose to Ottawa. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, have a good night, Pat. Thank you, man. Be well, Aaron. A uh, couple more calls. Steve is up next. What's up, Steve? Pat, how you doing? I'm well, man. How are you? I'm good. Calling from the island. Oh, what's going on? <laughs> uh, thanks, you, thanks for being with us. Where, where on the island? Uh, Vic, Victoria. Oh, okay, in Vic. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I listen to your show every day. Uh, I think you guys do a great job. A lot of uh, uh, really cool insight and, and interviews and stuff like that. Um, I just wanted to phone because I've been listening again every day and um, everybody's take on the team completely dismantling, sell everybody, get down to the, the studs. When has that ever worked? Name me a team that has gone on to win a Stanley Cup two or three years later after they completely tore things down to the studs. Two or three years later, I can't because I think it takes longer than that if you're well, going to want to do and that. My, um, and my point is, my point is, is I think that a true Stanley Cup winning team has a good mix of both youth and veteran leadership on the team. I agree. You look at the last. You look at the last few years of these teams. Like I mean, Colorado's got their guys. You know, but Tampa and I just, just let me jump in, Steve. How did Colorado just currently look at look at Los Angeles currently? Los Angeles didn't go down down to the Bear Studs. They 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 got rid of some of their their veteran guys. They brought in some youth. They still have you know some of their veteran guys still in the lineup. Kopitar is still there. But the one right? thing, so, the one thing that, that you're not that you're you're really not well. you're not representing one part. And that is the foundational players that every single one of these teams has had, uh, and that is a at the very minimum a top five pick from Dowdy in L.A. to McKinnon in in uh, and McKinnon and McCarr in Colorado. Like the the Avalanche got McKinnon and McCarr a few years apart uh, when when they drafted them. Like 
And so I don't know if Colorado actively I, I think there's a there's there's kind of the there's there's two sides to it, right? There's the teams that actively try to tank and, and get that player, kinda like what Chicago may or may not have done last year to get uh Connor Bedard and a few others, or a few other teams tried to do the same thing. There there's that which I don't know if we have, to your point, seen a team that has won a Stanley Cup by doing that um, expressly. But I do think it's important to point out that, by and large, the Cup teams have all at some point drafted high and gotten that number one or number two or number three overall guy. That 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 is... Whether it's Colorado, and I, and Tampa I, Bay, I agree. that that's the I only that's you. the only part I that think, I wanted to push back on. I think I think what like when I'm watching this team now, I think the the the, the best part of our team right now, yeah, besides the youth, obviously, is honestly the back end. Our goaltending's been really good. Our defense has been actually really strong. If it hasn't been for them this year, a lot of our offense wouldn't be there, and uh, I think some of these games would have gotten way out of hand. So I think that taking like someone like Hannafin and keeping him on board, uh, you know, someone like Tanev keeping him on board, their struggles aren't on the back end. Their struggles are on the front end. Look at tonight. You could hear it in Kadri's uh, voice with his interview, and, and the guy was out there again being a stud. You know, they need they need more support up front. They don't have finishers. They have a lot of supporting cast but no finishers. Like, I mean, Kadri is probably the only guy that comes to mind other than the, the youthful guys that are coming, like Zary and, and Peltier and these guys are coming. Right. So, again, maybe, you know, Lindholm, yeah, it's time for, for him to go, I think. I wouldn't keep him around. I would honestly see what we could get for him. If Calgary can get a, 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 a guy that can come in, offensively help us, doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, young, necessarily but i think somebody that can come in and and kind of support and and get us through some 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 games and, and give us that secondary offense maybe some leadership i don't you know i don't lindholm's going to get us a big return i don't know to what extent but again do we have to go super young super rebuild i, I don't i don't think we're there i i don't think we need to do that and i think this team if we got one or two offensive guys to kind of help finish you know finish some of these games like tonight or today um i think we'd be we'd be all talking a little different story and and so again like i I don't necessarily agree with get rid of every free agent like maybe we need to trade some of our other signed players you know maybe we try to try to better our team that way too we don't necessarily have to get rid of our your key defensemen that are yes coming free agent just to get rid of them well and again i think it's important to to also from just a a wording standpoint i I don't think that this is about getting rid of noah hannafin or getting rid of chris tanev or getting rid of elias lindholm it's it's more about maximizing assets and not letting guys uh walk for nothing that that is also important too like if if lindholm doesn't want to re-sign here or you can't come to an agreement on a deal that makes sense you got to move them and if that makes sense and that i think that's also important too of course yeah what i'm saying like you mean talks have they have they started back up again you know like the last caller just said about uh hennepin and his work the last little bit he's absolutely right you know conroy should be opening the 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 door again to hennepin's agent and, and talking to him again hey do you want do you want to stay in calgary what's your plan you know but again i haven't heard anything as far as that happening 
Well, it's not, I mean, I, I don't think the door is closed, though. But I also think that there is a, a limit to, you know, what what type of deal that would look look like. And I also think you have to weigh in the one thing that Craig Conroy is weighing heavily right now is your value offset. What is more valuable? Lindholm on this team for the next eight years at, at a certain salary, which I think brings a significant amount of value because he's a really good defenseman who's still young and will help your team. But is that more valuable to the franchise and the organization than what you could get in a trade? And if somebody's offering you an absolute haul that includes a first-round pick and a blue-chip prospect because they think Hannafin's the missing piece and they want to sign him, well, you can't ignore that. You can't just say, no, 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 we're signing Hannafin only. You know, the, the there's a real discussion to be had, and I think it's the most difficult with Hannafin than any of the other players. But I, I, I also think that it's it's still a that it's it's a dilemma. I really, I really believe that you you have got to have those conversations and drill down on them hard and be willing to make the hard decision if the hard decision is the one that benefits the franchise long term. And if it is me not knowing exactly what's being offered and not being in these trade conversations. I can't say this with 100% certainty, but I, I still think that there's a – I'm still 55-45 that it's, it's best for the organization to move on from a guy like Hannafin, but I can't, I can't judge that completely until you see what actually gets done either a what the trade uh, what what a trade return would be or or b what a new contract would look like so we'll see steve right. i appreciate yeah. the call man uh one last thing um you had said a few shows ago about uh, a trade that kind of really perked my interest and and uh and and, and made me think about it, it was uh Stan Colvin coming coming over if you, be, could get, uh, if you could get him man, man when you said that i was like man that would be really cool you'd have to like it, it would have to be um a huge trade i don't think it is necessarily uh, what i would say super likely but i also no. don't think if you're a Dallas Stars team that feels like you can win a Stanley up this year and with some of the players they have why wouldn't they feel that um i i think that it it might i don't think it's completely out of the question either no no anyway pat i really appreciate you taking my call always fun to, to listen in on the show and chat with you and thank you again thanks steve stay safe on the island we'll talk soon <laughs> yeah you stay well guys Thanks, man. Uh, and our last call today on our Flames Talk postgame show is Tony. What's going on, Tony? Hey, Pat. Happy New Year, bud. How Tony, are you? Tony, you're, 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 you're awake. Yes, sir. I'm awake this time. <laughs> yeah, was, how are you doing? I'm good, man. That was You gave us a great moment, uh, so that was funny. I'm good, man. How are you? Good, good. Hey, man. Uh, how, how do you lose to a team like Chicago missing their – but they're missing their top three players. Missing, and even with they're their, missing like their top nine players. And even with those players, they're not a good team. Correct. Right now. Yep. <laughs> we say they're average. Calgary's below average, Pat. You know what I mean? Like, you don't lose to these. You know, you get some momentum and you beat some good teams. And then, you know, and then you lose to a team like that. Like, but you know what? It's always been like this with the Flames. Well, that's, right. again, you know, this Tony, I bet you this call has been had in Minnesota all year long or Nashville all year long or St. Louis all year long. This is the um, this is the symptom of being a middle-of-the-road team. And Huberdeau, brother, I'm telling you, Carey Price isn't playing, and he's more valuable to his team than Huberdeau is. At least you can use that money uh, long-term disability to, to pick up someone. Like this guy – 
He's been better of late, and you can't say yeah. he hasn't been. I get it. The contract is no good, better? but he has been better of late. He's been one of the, the brighter spots over the last little while for the Flames, if you ask me. Yeah. Well, man, we must be seeing it different, I guess. I mean, he's got five points in his last five games. Um and it's been it's been better since he's been put on that line with Lindholm and Sharon Govich. Again, I'm not saying that it's been $10.5 million good. I'm not saying that it's been perfect or that problems are solved. I'm just saying that it has been objectively better than what it was before, which is, is not something to be um, celebrating either because it was not really all that good before at all. And you know, Pat Coronado, what does this guy have to do? He's lighting it up in the HL. Bring him up and put him with Kadri and Zari. Like, if you're going to bring up, you can't put him on the fourth or third line. You've got to put him on where he's getting a lot of So I think chances. there's a few things with, with the Coronado front right now. First of all, I think that, um, you know, if I, I think from Craig Conroy's standpoint, uh, and this is not trying to suggest that there is a rift or anything like that because that's not the case. But I think that from Craig Conroy's standpoint, uh, he looks at it and says, right now the coaching staff probably isn't going to do what you're saying. Um, and probably isn't going to put uh, Coronado in that type of uh, in that type of role. So, as as the general manager, and I believe Craig is is very adamant that he doesn't want to get too involved in coaching decisions. He hired a coach because the coach makes those decisions. So he's going to let the coach do his job and and not get too involved. Um, you know, not to say that he wouldn't get involved at all because that's what a GM does, but I think he still wants the coach to coach. And so if the coaching staff isn't super comfortable in putting Coronado in a higher leverage spot, he's going to keep Matt in the American League. Um, so until there's a little bit, whether it's via injury or whether it's because it just becomes obvious or because because of trades until there's a little bit more room on the NHL roster right now to make it so it's pretty obvious where Coronado needs to play even to the coaching staff. I, I think he's probably going to stay in the American League and, and probably just for Matt's development, that's the best thing for it. Um, and he is lighting it up in the American League right now. Good on yeah. him. You know what, Padim, with this, we keep hearing retool, rebuild. It all depends what you're going to be getting for these guys. If you can get a, if you're going to get a 23, 24 year old guy that's that's fairly good, you're going to retool. But if if they're offering you draft picks, you're, you have to rebuild. Like it, it depends on what you, you, the next month is quite important to see what the, if they're going to retool or rebuild. You, you know, like that, you have to see what assets you're going to get back. Yeah, for sure. You know, if someone says, "Okay, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you two first rounds and a second round," okay, then you rebuild because you got to. They say, "Well, we'll give you a high end prospect in a second or third, and you know, you maybe you retool a bit." You know, it's like uh, this team. It, 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 you know, it's even if they did make the playoffs, they're going to. It's going to be four straight. They're going to have to play Colorado or uh, you know Vegas or someone like that. You know, it's going to. You're not going to win with this team right now. Like, you know, you can't. Markson has been awesome. I've, I've never really liked Markson, but this year he's been great. He's always really yeah. liked you, though. Like, Jacob's always talking about that. how awesome Tony is. You know, he's like, yeah. Tony's we, we, we've been going, yeah, we've been going to go for beers once in a while and stuff. So, it's, you know, it's, uh, but I mean, Pat, that I don't know, man. Like, you know, there's, and you know what? We could say what we want. I, I agree. I know someone was talking about Huska. I don't think they should have taken Huska. Huska, first of all, was an assistant with, with Sutter. 
So you're going to have some players, I think, on the team that, that doesn't like that don't like doesn't like Huska. I don't know. I I think that you've I, I think you've seen that he's gotten pretty solid work out of this group. I I actually think that at least in my opinion, I think that's a, a decent success story for the season so far. Is is the work ethic, the work rate that that Husk has been able to get out of this group? Um, it hasn't been perfect every night, and you know there's other things, you know the power play and stuff like that that have not been great. But I I actually think Husk has done a pretty good job. And you know you talk to players, I'd encourage you to go read Wes Gilbertson. Uh, kind of midway markish piece where he talked to players about Ryan Huska. They, they've said some really good things about him. So I actually think he's been one of one of the positives of this season so far. Well, you know what's making it worse? Um, uh, Pat is that team up north. Look what they're doing now. They remind me of St. Louis. Yeah, but I mean, do they really remind you of St. Louis? And I only say that because. They they had an awful start to the season. They, they it was in a lot of ways an unlucky start to the season. Uh, they weren't getting saves. It, it it felt like the Oilers were going to figure it out. Period. So are we really like? Does it really feel like St. Louis, or does it feel like maybe here's a correction of an Oilers team that we all knew was going to be very very good this year and got off to a bad start and maybe they're just coming around to what we expected them to be. I I don't know. I'm I I don't see them as a St. Louis clone because I don't know, A, they were not last overall at, on on as the new year turned, and B, because when you've got the players they've got, I don't think anybody looked at them as a team like St. Louis. This team underachieved early, um, got some bad luck early, and now they're playing a whole lot closer to what you expect them to be. Yeah, let's hope they, they fail. I really don't know that they go, but they do look like contenders, geez. Well, you know, what are you going to do? But, Pat, we'll see what they do. If he's, you know, in the next month, it's going to be a big, big, uh, big change for the Flames to see what they do. And, and I hope Connor has some luck and pulls off some miracles here. I really do. You know, so thanks for taking my call, bud, and you take care. I'm glad that we could keep you awake this time. Uh, I tried. I tried. I took my. Um, uh, I didn't take my sleeping pills. So. <laughs> okay. Take care. Uh, good to hear from you, Tona. As always, be well. We'll talk soon, man. Bye-bye. That'll do it on the phone lines. Great stuff on the phone lines today. Great stuff on the text line. And, you know, we, we, we in all good fun, but um, we made lots of fun of Tony for falling asleep uh, on, a, on a more recent show. So, you know, good on him. That's, uh, he came right back, took his lumps. That's, uh, that's a mensch right there. Way to be, Tony. That'll wrap us up on the phone lines today. Great stuff on the phone lines. Great stuff on the text line, as always. Really appreciate all the contributions on our Flames Talk postgame show on this Sunday afternoon following a 4-3 loss to the Chicago Blackhawks. It's time for today's final summary. Here's how we got to today's final score. As the Hawks opened the scoring at 432 of the first period, it was Colin Blackwell making it one nothing Chicago. His second of the season came from Jared Tenorti and Connor Murphy at 4:32. But the Flames answered that on a Nazem Kadri goal. Kadri's 12th from Noah Hannafin and Martin Pospisil at 13:12 of the first. We had a 1-1 tie after 20 minutes of play. Early in the second, Flames take their first lead of the afternoon.
afternoon when Andrew Mangiapane scores a power play goal. Mangiapane's eighth from Jonathan Huberdeau and Mackenzie Weger at 326 to make it 2-1. Hawks answer that at 12.09. Philip Kurishev makes it 2-2 with his eighth of the year. Kurishev from Jason Dickinson and Alex Vlasic at 12.09. Then less than three minutes later, Nikita Zaitsev makes it 3-2 Chicago. Zaitsev's second from Blackwell and Tenorti at 14.49 to make it 3-2 Chicago after 40 minutes of play. To the third period we go. Um... Partially, I think, due to fatigue, but I don't know if that's your only excuse. Pretty, you know, pedestrian third period for the Flames in a game they needed to have, and down by one, don't really generate a whole lot. Then they take a penalty, put the Hawks on the power play. Hawks get a good bounce. Puck gets kicked out to the slot right onto Blackwell's stick, and he rifles it past Dan Vladar for his second of the afternoon. Blackwell's third of the year from Zach Sanford and Zaitsev at 14:37. Power play goal makes it. 4-2 Chicago. They look to be in control. However, 42 seconds later, Kadri scores again to get the Flames back within one. Kadri's 13th uh, to make it 4-3. Huberdeau and Anderson the assist at 15-19. The Flames back within one. Could not get that equalizer, though, and the Hawks hold on for a 4-3 victory. That's your final score. Final shots for 31-21 in favor of Chicago. Sorry, 31-21 in favor of Calgary. Flames and Hawks both go one for three on the power play this afternoon. Your three stars in the building, number three, Nazem Kadri, number two, Jared Tenorti, with two goals and an assist. Colin Blackwell is your number one star this afternoon. With the loss, Flames fall to 17-18-5. They're back in action Tuesday at home to the Ottawa Senators, while Chicago improves to 12-26-2. They're back in action Tuesday at home to the Edmonton Oilers. That is your final summary. And now for everyone involved in Flames Hockey this afternoon, for our broadcast crew of Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson, and for our outstanding producer, Shan Vergie, my name is Pat Steinberg. That'll wrap us up on our Flames Talk postgame show, which is available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. As I mentioned, next up for the Flames, Tuesday night, at the Dome against the Sens. That is a 7 o'clock face-off, which means we'll be on the air at 6 o'clock with your Calgary Flames warm-up. Have yourself a great week ahead. Your final score from the United Center in Chicago. Flames lose an ugly one, 4-3 to the Blackhawks. This has been your Flames Talk post-game show available wherever you get your podcasts. And this has been Calgary Flames Hockey on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.